Romans chapter 5, I want to read from verse 12. I want to give you a great gospel message this morning. How many know the gospel is simple? It's simple. And I'm going to show you that this morning. There's a little math equation in the gospel. It says in verse 12 of Romans 5, Therefore, just as though one man sin entered, sorry, through one man sin entered the world. How many know one's an easy number to know? Amen. If you're not good at math like me, I know one. It says, just as sin entered through how many men? One man through the, to the world and death through sin. Thus death spread to all men. How many is all? Everybody. Because all sinned. And so here's the gospel. Here's the, here's the, here's the problem. We're going to start with the problem. The gospel is good news. That's what it means. And it's a solution to a problem. How many like solutions to problems? Nobody likes problems and everybody likes solutions. Well, the great thing is the gospel has a solution to a problem. And the problem is that we're all sinners. And the problem is that Adam sinned and through Adam's sin, all of us became infected with sin in our lives and we're actually, the Bible says, born into sin. And so there's no, it doesn't matter how good you are this morning or how bad you are this morning or anybody in this world, how good they are or how bad they are. Do you realize that in God's eyes, and I'm not talking about the consequence of sin because we know those are, are greater. You're not going to have the same consequence before a judge of, of stealing a piece of gum as you are as killing somebody. But in God's eyes, every single person, regardless of how good they are or how bad they are, is on one equal playing field, and it's called sin. And it's, we're called sinners. And because of that one act, that's our, our problem And when we're born, and we get to an age of accountability. So we then go on to see, if you go down to verse 17, I'm not going to read all these verses, but I chose a few key ones. So it says, if this is the case, that through one man's sin, death came in, it says, verse 17, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, watch this, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in what? Condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. How many know that's so far, the couple minutes I've been talking, it's pretty simple. One person gave us a death sentence. And one person came along to erase the death sentence. Amen? And it wasn't just any person this morning. And I want everybody to know this morning, if you're visiting, if you've been in church a long time, I want you to remember once again that we are all sinners. Okay, And the whole world is full of sinners. There is nobody who is not a sinner. And we all need a Savior. The only difference this morning between the saved and the unsaved is the unsaved have not realized yet they need a Savior. Or they haven't given in to the fact or they haven't uh, 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 decided that they want to change. But we're all in the same place. The only thing that makes us different doesn't make us better if we're saved. It just makes us saved. Doesn't make us better. 
It just means we realized and came to the revelation of the fact that I was going to hell if I did not get saved. Some people say saved from what? Well, that's a whole other message. But the Bible says that that sin that came into our life separates us. Totally separates us from God. Not because God does not love us, but because God cannot look upon sin. And so God said, I have to have an antidote. I have to have, as Adam sinned and and brought sin into the world, I have to send somebody to, to take care of this. And we know in the Old Testament, he tried it without himself having to be involved. And he told the people, when you sin, we will we'll go and kill the perfect lamb and we'll take the blood. And when we shed the blood of that animal, it will cover the sins. And we saw that that worked as far as the as far as God's plan worked, but then the problem is is that men got involved. The problem with salvation today is not God, it's man. The problem and the reason the whole world's not saved is not because God doesn't have a good plan, it's because the church doesn't do what the church is supposed to do. Can you say amen? The responsibility falls on us. And so in the Old Testament, they would make those sacrifices and a man would have to go in and he'd have to stand in place of all the people for all their sins of all the year. And and it got to a place where God said, this is not going to work because I can't have somebody saying that they are like me. I can't have somebody becoming in the spirit of the devil, amen, before the fall, like me. So he said, I'm going to fix this once and for all because there's always going to be a problem when man's involved. And it's not that God said, well, I'm going to do this wrong and then I'm going to do this right. He said, I'm going to fix man's problem. How many know it's not God's problem, it's man's problem, amen? We're the ones that fail. And so he said, I'm going to fix this. And here's the great thing about the gospel. It's different than any other religion in the world. Of course, we know it's not a religion, but that's what people call it. It's a relationship for us. But the difference is, is all religions have a teaching that you be good. And as you be good, upon good, upon good, you take steps. And you get to a place where you're in good standing with God. And the problem with that is, is we'll never be good enough to stand before God. We'll never be good enough to be in the presence of a holy God. You and I, on our greatest, most holy day in our lives, we're not even a thousand light years away from being able to stand in the presence of a holy God. So he did something nobody's ever done before and never will do again. He stepped out of heaven. God stepped out of heaven and left his heavenly throne and came down to this earth and was born in a physical, real body just like me and you so that he could become the perfect substitute. Amen. The perfect substitute. And the Bible tells us, I told you this is just a gospel message. The Bible tells us that the reason that Jesus could become that perfect substitute was because he was not born of the blood line of sin. Okay, he was not born into the bloodline of sin. I'm going to talk about the blood in just a second. 
But I want you to understand that the reason that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice was not only that he came from heaven, but that he was not conceived by man. The woman's stomach was a perfect place for God to place his Holy Spirit and to, and to conceive his, himself of the Holy Spirit in the womb of a mother, not a perfect person, but a willing person. Amen. Mary was a willing person. And I just want to make sure you understand this morning that there is only one person this morning, the Bible says, that is the mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ. There is no other mediator. Amen. Mary is to be honored, not to be praised. Mary did nothing more than be willing to say, yes, Holy Spirit, I will conceive of this child. I will carry this child in my womb. But you have to understand, if you mess with that situation and you make it to where Mary is something equal with Jesus, you eliminate the power of Jesus coming down from heaven to come into a holy body. You cannot mix those two. Can you, can you say amen? You, you can honor Mary, amen, but you cannot worship Mary. Because if Mary would have said, God, I can't really handle this, guess what? It could have been Jesse. It could have been Katrina. It could have been Carrie. It could have been Brenda. It could have been anybody else. It wasn't that Mary was special. It's that Mary was faithful. Amen. I'm, I'm just saying this this morning. I don't know why I'm saying that part, but I want you to understand that it's very important. She was willing and she is up in heaven today, and she is a mighty woman of God, but she has no power to answer your prayers. She has no power to answer your, your parents' prayers. She is a woman of God just like Ruth was, just like Naomi was, just like Mary Magdalene was, and any other woman that's ever lived. She was a vessel. And the reason she was a vessel is because God said, I can trust this woman. And I can trust that man, Joseph, that they will do this right. We're talking about purity. He says, I'm going to put this, I'm going to come down and be born in a woman's stomach, but I'm not going to be born by the bloodline of a sinful man. Are y'all following me? The Bible says she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was placed into her womb, and she was carried out, gave birth, and everything. But when she was given birth, Jesus was given birth by Mary, he came into this world as the perfect sacrifice without the bloodline of man. Are y'all following me so far? This is very, very important to our faith. And it makes it different than any other quotation religion in the world that God himself would step out of heaven. Who would do that? You put yourself in God's place this morning and none of us would do that. None of us would leave our glory and come down into this earth and not only live but be born in a manger. Be born to a carpenter's son. Amen. Be born into a, a place called Nazareth which was looked down upon as a very poor and God forsaken place. He went to the lowest of lowest. Guess why? So he could relate to everybody. The gospel is for everybody. The gospel's for every race, for every nation, and for every 
tongue and for every group and for every uh, financial status. He went to the lowest of the lowest. Amen. And he gave us he gave his his life for us there. But I want you to understand. I said all that to say this Romans 623. Wait, I missed a verse. Sorry. Let's go back to 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to how many men? All men say I am all resulting in condemnation even so through one man's righteous act the free gift came to men resulting in justification of life now watch this this is the math equation for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous Many will be made righteous. Why will many be made righteous? Because not everybody will believe. And when it says many will be made righteous, you got to understand that when Jesus died on the cross for our sins and shed his blood, he shed it for everyone. The problem is, is we have to accept that. We have to believe that. We have to put our faith simply in that act that Jesus did for us. Can you say amen? So I want to tell you this morning that I am thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. I am thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. Is anybody else thankful this morning that God came down to give us some pure blood this morning? Why is blood so important? Because we go back to the Old Testament and we see that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Why blood? Because the Bible says that our life is in the blood. Amen? Our life is in the blood of our, of our bodies. The blood is what keeps us alive this morning. Amen? Now listen, I'm going to give you some scriptures, so keep your pens ready and keep your ears open, but I want to give you some, some good scriptures this morning about the blood. It says in verse 1, sorry, chapter 1 of, and verse 7 of Ephesians, it says, in him, in who? Shout it out. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now, I'm going to say something again right here. I'm going to make this clear. The gospel is simple. You cannot add and you cannot take away from what I just read. It says in him, Jesus alone. It doesn't say in them. So there's no more than one. It's in him. Jesus Christ, that we have the redemption through one thing, his blood. It's Jesus and it's his blood. Okay? There are people today that will say, hey, I believe in Jesus, but. I believe in the blood, but. You cannot put a but on the blood and you cannot put an and on Jesus. Can you say amen? It's Jesus and his blood, period. You cannot be saved in anything else. You cannot add to this book. You cannot take away from this book. You might say, well, I don't really agree with you. Well, the Bible says what the Bible says, and I'd rather you disagree with me than disagree with what the Bible says. Amen. Because one day it's all going to come out and the truth will be revealed. Jesus said it's in him that we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. 
I am thankful that I am bought this morning with a price. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, I have been bought with a price, and that price is the blood of Jesus. Now, just in case you don't know the story this morning, I told you the beginning part, but just in case you don't know the rest, that God I'm talking to you about came down and was born of a virgin and then lived 30 years on this earth as a human being just like me and you. And the Bible says that there's no temptation that you have ever faced that God did not face. There's no pain that you've ever felt that God did not feel. There's no trial that you've ever gone through that Jesus did not go through. And he lived a life of silence, so to speak, for 30 years. And the only things that we know about Jesus was that he lived as a carpenter's son, so he worked with wood. And the only thing we know is that he was always trying to preach. He started at 12, and he got rebuked by his mother. Not because he was doing something wrong, but because he was trying to do something right. Amen. So that's all we really know until he turns 30. But the one thing we know for sure is that he was perfect. Perfect. That means he did not sin. Oh, how do you say that? Because he didn't have a sinful bloodline in him. He was able to live a perfect life as the sacrificial lamb because there was no sin in his bloodline. That's why God had him born of a virgin and conceived by the Holy Spirit so that he could carry from that day forth and eliminate the bloodline that was in us through Adam's sin. Is everybody following me so far? I'm giving you the most simple, best gospel message you can possibly hear this morning. Amen? And so then we know that he went and lived that perfect life and then he did something super crazy. He said, I'm going to give up my life because a lot of people think that Jesus was killed. Jesus wasn't killed. Jesus gave his life. Like the Bible says, a lamb led to the slaughter. He gave his life. And the Bible tells us that he began to teach his disciples and began to call men for three years and began to call people to follow him, just like we saw there. And he began to make disciples, and they began to follow him. And he began to tell them, I can't tell you everything this morning, but he began to tell them, basically, I am here to die. I have come to die for you. I have come to die for humanity. And then the end of that story, of that part, is that he goes and he's given up and he's killed. Here's the crazy thing. He's killed by his own people. He's killed by the people he came to save. Because we, me and you this morning, and 99.8% of us are this, are called Gentiles. Meaning we don't have a lineage that connects to the Jewish nation. Amen? We, it, we, have, we have someone in here this morning, Jeff, and he has connections. So he's that 0.2%. There might be someone else that we know. Amen? But he, 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 he comes from that line. But other than that, if you're not a Jew by, by race, or by dissension, and by blood, you are called a Gentile. And that means not a Jew. Not, not, not from the nation of Israel. And the Bible says that we were engrafted into salvation because we believed of what Jesus did on the cross. And the reason we're able to be saved today is because the plan came first and foremost for his own people and his own people rejected him. 
His own people turned their back on him, and the ones he came to save crucified him. They chose Jesus to be crucified over a thief and a murderer. Amen? Y'all follow me so far? And so we see in this Bible story that is the truth that has changed, I don't know about you, but my life, I've been bought with a price this morning by the blood of a Savior who came down from heaven to live his life perfectly just to die for me so that if I put my faith in him, I don't have to die, but I can live forever with him. How many are thankful for that this morning? 1 John chapter 1, 7 and 9 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, this is powerful, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What do you got to do? You got to confess, I'm a sinner. You have to say, I have failed. And when you sin, you confess to the Father, and you say, Lord, forgive me for that thought I just had. Father, forgive me for that thing I just did. Amen? It's not that you premeditate it and say, God, I'm going to do something wrong, and then when I do it, then I'm going to say, Lord, would you forgive me for that? That's premeditated sin. Amen? But you say, God, I confess that I just sinned. I confess that I'm a sinner. And the Bible says, the good news says, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. Can you say amen? Colossians chapter 1, 19 and 20 says, It pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven, listen to this, having made peace through the blood of Jesus on the cross. How many like peace this morning? I'm going to tell you this morning that I'm thankful for the blood, but I'm thankful for his peace. The Bible says we can have a peace that passes all understanding. Now I'm going to throw something out to you this morning that I, I shared with the men and I wasn't going to do this but I feel led to do this because it was very powerful. I heard a testimony of a man who was an imam. Somebody just raise your hand if you know what an imam is. An imam is a, is a Muslim pastor or priest as we would call ourselves, pastors. He is a leader of a congregation or a mosque and he is called an imam, I-M-A-M. And we know there's many of those in the world today. Well, I saw a powerful testimony about one who had gotten saved. Now, I'm going to go somewhere with this, but I want to share this this morning to, to lift up your faith, that God is doing something many times we don't see in our eyes. How many know that all we see on the news is the bad news? But you're not going to see the good news because the Bible says that the devil's the prince of the air. So he don't let a lot of stuff get on there. Every once in a while, a good story will sneak on there. And then they go, ah, we've got to edit it off, amen? But the, the prince of the air is protecting, and he's only letting the bad stuff out. But I'm listening to this testimony, and this man begins to share that he, for many years, I want you to put yourself in, like, like me, as a pastor of a church, for many years was an imam of a, of a mosque of, of the religion of Islam. 
And he's preaching one day, I guess that's what they call it, whatever they call it. He's teaching or talking or preaching. And he's speaking and he's saying these words. And this is the reason I'm saying this because I've just mentioned a whole bunch of times, Son of God. I just mentioned in that verse that I just read that it mentions right there in the beginning that the Father, it pleased the Father. It pleased the Father to give his Son. We know from the Bible that it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity, amen? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The, the Muslims have a problem with the whole God the Father thing. They don't get how God could have a son without a wife. It's an it's a obstacle for them. And so this man is preaching one day in his, to, his, to his congregation, and he's, he's adamant about the fact of one thing. Jesus is not the Son of God. And he said it again. Jesus is not, and he's pounding that point home, just like this morning I'm pounding home that he is. Amen. He says he's not the Son of God. And somebody shouts out from the congregation, well, who's Jesus then? I wish someone would ask me that this morning. Who's Jesus then? I'll tell you, amen? Well, obviously he didn't have an answer, but he thought about it and he said, I need to, I need, he got home and he said, I need to figure out who Jesus is. I know he's not the son of God, okay? How I many of those a whole lot of people out there that know what Jesus is not, but they really don't know who he is? Someone, that went over some of y'all's head. Let me say that again. A lot of us people, a lot of people know who Jesus is not, but they really don't know who he is. And once you find out who he is, that's when salvation comes to your house. Amen? So this man goes home and he is perturbed in his spirit. He is bothered because he's saying, I don't know who this Jesus is. Well, I'm going to figure it out. And he tells his testimony that he reads the entire Quran again front to back no bible quran and he's reading the quran and listen this is a fact and you can take it to the bank and check it amen cash it the check he begins to read the quran again and he finds in the quran that muhammad the prophet who brought forth the quran the one who had the visions and all these things his name is mentioned four times in the whole quran four times but as he continues to read the Quran, he notices that this Jesus, that is not the Son of God, is 25 times mentioned in the Quran. And as he begins to read on and read on, he begins to find out that this Jesus, that is not the Son of God, healed people. This Jesus, who's not the Son of God, raised people from the dead. Now listen, I'm telling you what he said from the Quran, not the Bible. He began to read on and find out that this Muhammad he believed in was, did not live a perfect life. This Muhammad that he believed in did die, and they don't know where he went. He began to read on that this Jesus that he read about uh, rose from the dead and is coming back again. He wrote that, read in the Quran that the only woman mentioned in the Bible was the mother of Jesus, Mary. And he goes on reading and he's getting really confused because he's thinking, God, I've been taught that Jesus is not the Son of God, but I haven't been taught who Jesus is. So, Oh, someone's going to get this here in a second. Someone's going to click here. I, I, I was already excited about this. Maybe somewhere along the line you'll get excited that you know this Jesus that I'm talking about. Oh, God, what do I do? So he goes and he lays down. And he's praying. He says, God... 
what do I do? And he puts the Quran on his chest. And he says, Allah, please tell me what the answer is. I don't understand this. I'm confused. He said, Allah, what do I do? And the answer came back to him from the Holy Spirit and said, read Surah 1094. And he went and read the verse that the Holy Spirit spoke to him. Don't tune me out here, church. Listen to this. And the verse that the Holy Spirit told him to read said, if you don't understand the words of the book you're reading, read the book. That's going over some people's heads this morning. You don't understand the words you're reading, read the book, the Bible. Read the Gospels, and they'll make sense to you. See, people, my, the Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. That's in the Muslim religion. That's in the Christian religion. That's in the Catholic religion. That's everywhere in the world. We don't need more teachings just about what a man says. We need to find out this morning what the Bible says about God. We need to know Jesus through his word because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he goes on and starts talking to some friends and he's still in a state of confusion although he knows something's happening. He has not given his life to Jesus yet but he's finding something out. He says something comes upon him and his friend is saying, wait a minute, you haven't answered the whole Jesus, the son of God thing. How can he have a son without a wife? So the guy says he keeps reading in the Quran. never picked up a Bible. And he starts reading that God can see without eyes and God can hear without ears and God can touch without hands and he says something came upon me and I said to my friend if God can see without eyes and touch without hands and hear without ears he can have a son without a wife He's an almighty God, amen? And he does things like, you might get hung up on something and say, God, I just don't get this part. Don't get hung up and go to hell over a mystery. Believe the Bible for what it says. If it says God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, then I believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If he says I can only be saved through the blood of Jesus, I can only be saved through the blood of Jesus. If he says there's only one mediator between God and man, that I believe God is the mediator between God and man. If he says that there's no salvation in any other name, that I just believe what the Bible says. Somebody shout amen this morning. Somebody know Jesus this morning. Somebody said I have found the truth and the truth has set me free. Hallelujah. I just believe it. God said it and I believe it. I'm tired of hearing these people say, well, what about this and what about that? Listen, you can't argue with the miracle of a transformed life. And this is a man, listen, let me finish this story. This is a man who says in his testimony that I was saved and converted to Christ through the Koran. Through the Koran. Let me tell you something. This, the devil don't want this to get out. The devil don't want this to be preached. But we don't know today that every day that goes by on this earth, there's YouTube videos. You go take time after and find it. People are having visions that are Muslims. are having visions of Jesus Christ. And he's visiting them in their sleep. And he's saying, just like he did to Saul of Tarsus, I am who you persecute. 
I am Jesus. I am that I am. Hallelujah. Amen. He's saying it all the time. That don't go on the news though. So he answers this question. He gets converted to Jesus because of the Quran. He never picked up a Bible. Then he goes to learn about the Bible. And he goes and he gets saved and he gives his life to Jesus and his father finds out. This is the end of the story. His father finds out that he is saved, that he has converted to Christianity. He has left Islam. And his father finds out where he's at in this Bible institute and he goes and he gets him and he beats him unconscious. Unconscious. He says when he wakes up, he is in his father's house chained to a bed. Because they teach that if you convert, you are dead to them. If you change, you're dead to them. And so he, he's, he wakes up out of his unconscious state and realizes he's been beaten half dead by his father and he's chained to a bed and he's, he's literally dying. And he says that his family members, brothers, sisters, dad, come in and in his wombs and in his mouth and in his nose and in his ears, they put chili powder every day to add to the wounds. And then this part's a little gross, but most of us, there's no kids in here, which is good, mostly not kids, so if they are, just plug their ears. They came in to keep him alive, and the brother would urinate in his mouth to keep him alive. That's all, no food. Just enough hydration to keep him alive. He was like that for 20 days. On the 20th day, he came out of an unconscious state to wake up to his father choking him to finish him off. He had his hand on his, on his neck choking him with one hand, and in the other hand he had a knife. He said, son, you have a choice right now. Now somebody's going to get real excited here in a second. He said, son, you have a choice. Confess Muhammad and I'll let you live. Confess Jesus and I'm going to kill you right now. See, sometimes these messages don't really get us excited yet because we haven't quite got to that point yet where to live is Christ but to die is gain. We haven't quite got to that point yet where we really, really believe not just something that someone told us but that I've had a personal encounter with Jesus and I know who Jesus is and I know that my Redeemer lives and we got to get to that place where this man got, he said, I thought to myself, if I say Muhammad, oh, this is good. He said, if I say Muhammad, the, the Quran taught me that I don't know where Muhammad went. So if I say Muhammad and I die, I don't really know where I'm going. But I read in the Quran that it, if I shout Jesus' name and I believe in Jesus, the Quran told me he rose from the dead. So if I say Jesus, I'll go where he went. Woo. So something came upon him and he shouted, Jesus! And when he shouted, Jesus, power came into the room and his father fell back. Can somebody say there's power in the name of Jesus? Has anybody really realized there's power in the name of Jesus? Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, shout it out. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. He said his father fell back and the knife poked him in the chest. 
and punctured his chest and he began to foam at the mouth. And he said his brothers and sisters came in and got him and took him to the hospital and he was able to escape. And that was 18 years ago. And he's been dead to his family ever since. Jesus said these words, your mother and your father and your sister and your brother might turn against you. But how many know Jesus will never leave you and Jesus will never forsake you? Amen? And he gives the testimony that they, he found out later that his, his name has a, he has a gravestone in his name. His family did a mock funeral for him with no body and he's dead to them. And it says on his date, the day that he gave his life, the day that his dad went to get him out of the Bible Institute was the day he died. How many know the day that you gave your life, your life to Jesus was the day you died to this world? Did anybody die to this world when you got your, gave your life to Jesus? You got to get a bigger understanding than just some Sunday school teaching. You got to realize that Jesus is who he says he is. He's a life changer and I'm thankful this morning for the blood. And I'm thankful this morning for the peace that passes all understanding. The Bible says in Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Does anybody know the peace giver this morning? John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. Jesus left the earth and he said, peace I leave with you. Today, we don't have Jesus here in the flesh. We have the Holy Spirit. And he said, I leave peace with you. Peace I give to you. Listen, not as the world gives to you. There is a peace that the world can give you. But the peace that the world gives you comes from money, comes from things, comes from relationships, comes from when there's money in your bank account, comes from when there's food in your refrigerator, comes when you have a comfy bed to lay on. But how many know that when, it, when things begin to get bad, that's when we find out who the true prince of, prince of peace is? When nobody else can give me peace, God gives me peace that passes all understanding. And Jesus said, peace I give to you. Listen, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I have overcome the world. I have overcome this world. John 16, says, I have overcome. He says, listen, in the world, you might have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Colossians 3, 15 says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. How many have come to find that you can have peace in any situation? Do you realize that that's the peace that makes God real? It's easy to have peace when everything's good, but how many have really, listen, I'm talking to some real people this morning. How many have really come to find that he is a peace giver when nobody else can give you peace? That's personal relationship. You can't get that peace through religion. You can't get that peace through certain vain repetitions of prayer. You can't get that peace by doing something someone said to do five times. You get that peace by laying down your life and giving your heart to Jesus and allowing Jesus to take your heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh and saying, I've given you life now. I'm going to give you a new start. I'm going to give you a fresh touch. I'm going to change your life. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself 
Notice the word himself. He doesn't come and give it to you through a second hand. He says, may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. Every circumstance. And the last thing I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for his blood. I'm thankful for his peace. But this is, this is, this is the end one. I'm thankful that God has a plan. Is anybody thankful that God has a plan? And he's always had a plan? And his plans never fail? Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his plan will never change. And his plan has always been that the world through him might be saved. One of my favorite verses, if you're taking notes this morning, you write this down, you read it later, it'll change your life, is in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Woo, that ought to get you excited right there. Jesus says, God says, I'm thinking about you. I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Does anybody have hope this morning? If you don't have hope this morning, I can give you hope this morning and it's free. His name is Jesus. You can just receive him this morning. You can just have him this morning, and he'll change your life. I could give the microphone right now to a whole bunch of people in here this morning that would testify to you, not about some religious encounter they had, but about a life-changing relationship encounter they had with the true and living God, that they used to do this, and now they don't do it, that they used to go there, and now they don't go there, that they used to think this way, but now they don't think that way. They used to use drugs, and now they don't use drugs. They used to do crazy things, and now they're just crazy for Jesus. Has anybody in this place ever met this Jesus I'm talking about? Hallelujah. How many are thankful he's got a plan? And his plan will prevail. We make plans. We say, this is what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Proverbs 19.21 says, there are many plans in the heart of a man. But the Lord's counsel, the Lord's plan will prevail. We make the plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Psalms 37, 23 says, The steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. And he delights in his way. And I want to close with this. If the musicians will come, God has in this plan a global eternal plan i mentioned this this past week at i think it was discipleship about god's temporal or it might have been wednesday and his permanent eternal plan listen church right now you've got plans after church you've got plans tomorrow you've got plans next week that's temporal but god has an eternal plan and if you want your listen i'm gonna say something important if you want your temporal plans to work out you better get god's eternal plans right you start getting God's eternal plans right, the temporal plans you make seem to work out right every time. It's just an amazing thing how that works. I start putting God first. I start going about seeing how I can send money overseas, how I can go and preach the gospel. I start thinking about how I can witness to people. I start thinking about how I can build my church that I go to. I start thinking about how I can love my neighbor. And it's funny, all my temporal plans begin to work out right. Some of y'all got that and some of y'all will get it later. 
You put God's eternal plans first and your temporary plans just seem to line up. But when you don't have God's eternal plan right, those temporary ones just don't ever seem to line up. And a lot of people who claim to be Christians are just sitting there scratching their heads all the time thinking, why am I always beating myself against the wall? Why does nothing ever work out? Why do I never have money? Why does this never work out? Because you're not putting God first. You begin to put God first. You begin to lay your life down for the Lord. You begin to save your life, you lose it. But you begin to lose your life and you save it. The gospel's a paradox. It's crazy. You want to live, you got to die. You want to get, you got to give. It's just crazy how God works. But once you get it in your head that he's, the, he's Lord and you're not, things change quick. The day I got saved, I stopped running from the Lord. I stopped running from the call. And I said, Jesus, I lay my life down today and I'm not giving it back. To, I'm not taking it back. It's yours. How many, how many know that there has to be a time and a place in your life where you no longer say, Lord, I'm going to come up to the altar and I'm going to say a prayer and I'll give you this, this, and this, but don't ask for that. And things don't just seem to work out. I don't see anywhere in the gospel that Jesus says we get to choose what we want to keep and give what we want to give. He says, give me your life. Come and follow me, Jesus said. When he asked those fishermen to follow him, he did not say, come try me. He didn't say, come experience me. He said, follow me. And he said, Jesus said, if you're not willing to lay down your cross and follow me and deny yourself, you're not worthy of the kingdom of God. I don't say that in a bad way this morning. I say it in a good way. Listen, God in this day, listen, God in this day that we live in today is, is, is not looking for people who are doing part-time Christianity. He's not looking for part-time positions. He's not looking for temporary work. He's looking for some men and some women who say, God, I'm tired of living the way I want to live. I am no longer my own. I have been bought with a price. And I'm to, from this day forward, I'm going to give you my life. Everything I have is yours. Everything I am is yours. Everything I think is yours. Come on, somebody's going to get this this morning. I believe somebody this morning is going to make a decision like I did 23 years ago that I'm not going back. I'm going forward. I'm not going to look at, I'm not going to grab the plow and then look back to see if I left something behind. No, I don't care what's behind me. I'm pressing forward to the prize, which is eternity with God. Amen. How many want to see Jesus this morning? How many want to get in his presence this morning? God still loved the world that he gave his only son. And whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Bow your heads and close your eyes this morning, please. I want to tell you this morning without reading it, there is a heaven waiting for you and me.